and konnichiwa, and jambo, and hi. And mahalo. Oh, nice. Thank you. Hola. Oh, yeah. Is that it? <laughs> Is that me? Am I <laughs> yeah, going next? Yeah. Sorry, you started. I forgot who started. Also, thank you for joining us. We would encourage you to take your first steps into this life-giving local church and find the community and the support that you have been hoping for. I know, I've been hoping for it. Mm -hmm. Would you stop by at Mayo High School for one of our services mm. at either 9.15 or 10.45 a.m. on Sundays? We would love to meet you. We hope that you will find Echo to be your place, yes. your people, and your purpose. Mm -hmm. It can all be found in one space. Un. It's all that we are looking for. Mm -hmm. But Before service is over, please take a moment and peruse mm. through the Echo Weekly email for information about these announcements and more. Mucho. Peruse. <laughs> Quite. Also, thank you for your generosity. We see the value of reminding you weekly to take a moment by the end of service today and ask God how you can make a difference with your finances. Would you ask God what you should give today? You can donate by I was heading. asking, are you going to do that? Oh yeah, of course. Okay, All perfect. of my money. Excellent. It's gone. It's, it's been given. You can donate by heading to our website or Venmo us at We Are The Echo Church. Enjoy the rest of Echo service.
Oh man, I am excited today, not only because it's Easter, right? Resurrection Sunday that Jesus is alive, but come on Minnesotans, it was warm this weekend, come on. I don't know what happened to me, but like yesterday, and this is no joke, I was sitting there thanking the Lord for seeing a fly. Because I haven't seen one for six months. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? Like, yeah, I got a couple of Iowa people who are like, no big deal, that was last month. So, but um, no, honestly, uh, just super excited uh, that you're here with us at Echo. If you don't know who I am, I'm Pastor Andy, uh, one of the lead pastors here, and uh, it is our privilege to host you at Mayo High School, man, there's a little drama last night. Like we didn't, we didn't really know if we'd be able to have a church because there was no internet here at Mayo. So thank you for overcoming all adversity and coming to church, you know, and, and utilizing your hot spots today. I mean, <laughs> oh man, I got a joke. Um, you know, for those that are, don't know me, I'm sarcastic. So great to meet you. One of our founding, uh, founding values here, uh, actually it's, it's about, but I think it's at about, Number seven is sarcasm. So hopefully you've found the right place. Okay, found the right place. I got, a, I got a bad joke for you though. Okay, beyond sarcasm, I always got a bad joke. Here's my joke for you today. There's a family, they're trying to figure out, hey, what are we, what are we gonna do for Easter? And the wife looks at the husband and says, hey, uh, uh, what are you gonna do? What are you, what are you gonna do over the weekend? And he goes, well, I'm gonna be just like Jesus. I'm super spiritual. I'm gonna disappear on Friday and I'm gonna reappear on Sunday. You see how that goes well, you know, and all the families here. Well, the wife being as smart as she was, she goes, well, that's fine. That's awesome. Because I'm going to be like Mary, and I'm going to do what Mary did to Martha. And when you get home, you get to clean all the dishes and clean the rest of the house. Come on, someone say amen. <laughs> Happy Easter. He is risen. Husband has returned. I would never fly at my house. That's why it's funny to me, okay? That's, that's why it's funny to me. Hey, so Easter, it's amazing. You know, Resurrection, Resurrection Sunday is awesome. I, I love it. I really do. I love the, I love the story. Uh, but between Christmas and Easter, it's one of the most difficult weekends for a pastor because it's the same content every year. Y'all you know saying like, and how many are thankful that God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow? Like he doesn't change, you know, like that's really awesome, but not so great as a pastor sometimes because, you know, like it's hard to preach on the same content over and over, you know what I'm saying? So, um, but uh, just to kind of summarize what happens um, on Resurrection Sunday, what we, what we pause and celebrate, uh, let me just give you a little short summary of it. Uh, Jesus came to earth. Come on, someone say Amen. I mean, that is just awesome, right? He lived amongst us. He breathed, he learned, you know, and he felt what we felt. He, he taught and he showed and he healed. And, and, and what we find out historically is he started making the political and the religious leaders angry in that day so much so that it led him to the cross. Now, I, I have to understand that according to my theology, it wasn't them who put Jesus on the cross, but Jesus himself who willingly put himself on the cross because he didn't need them to put him there in the first place. He, you know what I'm saying? Like they couldn't do it if they really wanted to try. Like he willingly surrendered to the cross. He suffered on that cross. He died and he was buried. And three days later, guess what? He is arisen. Someone celebrate with me that Jesus is alive. This is what Resurrection Sunday is all about. And, 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 and what I want to do is I, as we emphasize on what Jesus did on, on Resurrection Sunday is I want to rewind and I want to show you this one concept that Jesus does in your life, but he also does in this story 
uh, over and over. And this is what Jesus does a lot of times. Jesus will teach and he'll show so that you might experience. Y'all get what I'm saying there? So a lot of times Jesus will speak, he'll teach, he'll show you, and then and he'll allow you to have that same type of experience. And so this is what I want to do today. Is I want to lean into John chapter 11. If you have your Bibles, open up to John chapter 11. And so we're going to rewind in order to look forward and celebrate what God is doing this weekend as we, remind, you know, as we remember uh, what he did on Resurrection Sunday. But in order to understand John chapter 11 a little bit better, you have to know what happens in John chapter 10. In context, what has happened in chapter 10 is this. Jesus has reached his boiling point. Like, like the people around him, the, the, the leadership, the, like I said, the political and the religious leaders of that day, man, they've had enough with Jesus. And in chapter 10, what we see is Jesus... Um, is, is ticked them off so much so that they're picking up stones and they're considering stoning him to death, literally right there in front of everybody for, for the things that he's doing, the things he's teaching. And somehow it doesn't happen, but at the later part of chapter 10, what we see is because they weren't successful at that, then they actually started officially trying to arrest him and they couldn't because Jesus just slipped away, which again brings me into the theology that guess what? Jesus does what Jesus wants. You know what I'm saying? I, oh man, I didn't say this in first, but I'm going to say it here. Like, you know, sometimes we like the idea of Jesus following us. When he's called us to follow him, come on somebody, happy Easter. So anyway, this is what leads up to chapter 11, the boiling point. Jesus leaves that city and he goes and hangs out with his disciples in chapter 11. I like to say it like this. He like leaves the boiling point and goes hang, and hangs out in chapter 11. You know, so that's what we're going to do today. And this is how it goes. In the beginning of the chapter, it says something in the way of there was a man who had fallen sick and had fallen sick. And Jesus heard of it, but he waited. And he waited for two days. And after two days, he looked at his disciples and he said, oh, guess what? Lazarus is dead. He died. He gone. <laughs> Is what, is what I believe he said, uh, if he could speak English. But um, Lazarus was dead, and for your sake, this is his teaching moment. Again, Jesus teaches and he shows so that we might experience. Okay, Lazarus is dead. For your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. Now let us go to him. And, and again, this is kind of a side point, but I feel like it's something that we need to hear over and over. Uh, what I see and how it's written and how, we, how Jesus is teaching the disciples through Lazarus and Martha and Mary, their crisis is this. This is what he wants to teach us. Is Jesus always leverages your crisis to bring you clarity. Well, let me say it like this. Jesus would like to use your crisis is an opportunity to bring you clarity and certainty within your faith. Someone say amen, even though you don't like that truth. God is constantly trying to teach you, to show you that you might experience a new thing. And this is what's happening on, 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 on this very particular story. So, so, so Lazarus is dead. And, and, and guess what? For Jesus to decide to go back to the boiling point, right? Back to the city that tried to stone him, back to the people that tried to kill him and arrest him. Like, like for him to return back there was in essence him starting to, I mean, in essence, maybe this was the signature that kind of, you know, guaranteed his death sentence. 
And so Jesus makes himself back and makes his way back there. And the first people that see Jesus is Martha. And Martha comes to Jesus and she says, Lord, if you would have been here. And again, and so many of us, like in our crisis and our, uh, some of those stretching opportunities in our life, like, like, like the, you know, like that's our prayer. Like, Lord, if you would only have heard me, I wouldn't have gone through this. But Jesus is trying to do something here. So Martha says, Lord, if you would have been here, things would have been different. And then, and eventually Mary hears that Jesus is also, there, is there. So she also makes her way there, but, but she's with the entourage, okay? The, the grief entourage, I'd like to call it. And they make themselves, uh, their way to Jesus. And when she sees Jesus, she's so moved by grief and the situation, she throws herself at Jesus's feet, weeping, saying, Lord, only if you had been here. And again, uh, this is a real life scenario of, of something that, that we might experience through our, our life and our, how circumstances can be so crushing. And, and yet I just want you to be very well aware that this idea that, that, that your crisis could be that opportunity for God to bring you clarity. And, and so Jesus trying to leverage this opportunity, uh, it says this in verse 33, and so we'll pick up on the scriptures, John chapter 11, verse 33, it says, when Jesus saw her weeping, he was deeply moved in the spirit and he was troubled. Jesus was deeply moved and he was troubled. And he asked, where have you laid him? And they said, he is in the grave. And he, he more or less said, well, let's go. And in that moment and what he was experiencing in verse 35, it says this, Jesus wept in that very moment. It's, it's actually one of the coolest scriptures ever because then you, if you memorize it, you can say like, hey man, I'm super spiritual. I memorized the scripture today, Jesus wept. You know what I'm saying? That's great. But it, what's cooler about it is this, is it shows us that Jesus feels as you feel. Jesus you know, I was just saying, it's not like Jesus or God in heaven is just like an Android or some AI scenario that is just going ahead and guessing what you'd like. You know, he knows how you feel. And Jesus wept. And in verse 38, on their way to the cave and upon arrival, verse 38, it says again, again, Jesus was once more deeply moved. And he came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance in which he rose up and something came from him and he said, take away this stone. But then the ones that were smarter, right? Mary and Martha, who thought he was a little smarter, she's a little smarter than Jesus said, oh, hey, do you know that Lazarus has been dead for four days? There's, he stank. I think that's what he, she said. I think that's what it says in your Bible. He stank. By this time, there was a bad odor. Man, he's been dead for four days. And regardless, Jesus said, hey, guess what? I did this. I waited I didn't show up when you wanted me to show up because I want you to believe. And I want you to see God glorified in this situation. In verse 41, it says this. So they took away the stone and Jesus looked up and said, Father, thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here so that they may believe. Everybody say believe that you sent me. And when Jesus said this, Jesus called with a loud voice, Lazarus, Lazarus, come out. Well, it was just an epic moment. And again, I'm not screaming because I don't want to hurt your ears this morning, but like, like the passion and the drive and that very epic 
uh, really part of this story. He, he does that. And then all of a sudden a dead man comes out and his hands and feet are wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. And Jesus said, and, I, and the way I kind of read it, I, I don't know if it's true, but I kind of think Jesus is snickering a little bit like <laughs> he kind of looks silly, you know, and, and he looks at the people around him and says, hey, guess what? Take off the clothes and let him go. Again, like I said, Jesus, I believe, teaches us, he shows us so that we might experience. And I think this was a precursor to what we need to see when Jesus is on the cross and when he's placed in the tomb and when he's raised again. I believe there are some things that we can see and and how God can bring clarity for us to understand God's character the better. And so there are three things that we should believe about Jesus as we remember his resurrection. There are three things, write them down. The first is this, and we can see this in the story, is Jesus is selfless. That's a great opportunity for you to say amen or thank you. Like, it is so awesome that Jesus is selfless. Like I said already, this was the moment where Jesus signed his own death wish. Like, for him to re-enter back into the city that he had to flee. This was him starting, really, I believe, his death march to the cross. Was, was This was him going back into the place where he knew that if he were to raise someone from the dead, that the people would really, really not like him. Like this was going to be the moment that kind of was the tipping point, right? Where it truly boils over and that it is done for him. And as I got to thinking about it, I was thinking about it. I couldn't imagine the two miles that Jesus traveled back to that location and the weight that he carried and how it must have felt. Do you all know what I'm talking about? Like, like, have you ever like put a backpack on and, or put your, your child on the back of your shoulder and then went hiking? You know, it's like, that's not great. Like, you know, like it, it's, it, it's, it's tough to do that at times. And, and, and okay, if some of you aren't tracking that. Okay, how about this? Some of you, you understand the weight on your shoulder when you get in trouble, right? Remember this? Bring yourself back to when you were a kid and you were your child, you were in your parents' home and they said, hey, son, hey, daughter, whoever you might be, Come to my room. And you know at that very moment, like, oh, it's like that. there's a certain weight upon the shoulder. There's a certain pressure that you carry because you don't really know what's going to happen next. Y'all, y'all get what I'm saying? I mean, I need some help here a little bit. Okay, I'm a little tired in the second hour, y'all. Okay, okay, so if you're not really getting that story, okay, or that illustration, let me tell you this. That I was a youth pastor for 15 years, and I had a lot of fun, probably too much fun, okay? And uh, we were in an old building, and that building was going to be renovated in a few years, and so I saw this as an opportunity, you know what I'm saying? It wasn't a crisis, but I saw an opportunity uh, to leverage that space to play airsoft with the teens inside the church. Come on, who doesn't want to go to that church, you know what I'm saying? You know, the love of Christ, you know what I'm saying? But yet aggression, you know what I'm saying? And uh, anyway, so we're playing this, this airsoft um, war. And in this particular moment, uh, I, I was out. And I was sitting watching everybody else play. And I noticed that there was one person that was on team A. And then there was another like teen that was on team B. And I just was compelled from the inner part of my being to keep the integrity of the game alive so I told them, hey, you guys know you're not on the same team, which what happened next was like warfare, you know what I'm saying? Close warfare. But unfortunately, what happened, how it ended was my good friend's front tooth was shot out. <laughs> it's my awkward laugh. Oh, it was not funny at the moment. And you know what wasn't funnier is when I had to walk to my boss's office that, day, that next Monday 
and tell them that I had this really great idea to play airsoft in the church. And oh, by the way, we shot Daryl's tooth out. <laughs> and he doesn't have good insurance. <laughs> Do y'all understand the weight that I carried? You know what I'm saying? Like upon that shoulder, like I knew I was guilty. And, and, and again, I know that's a really light illustration, but just imagine the weight that Jesus carried to go back into this situation and understand that it would ultimately lead to his death. See, we serve a God that is selfless. Look at your neighbor and say selfless. The second thing that we need to observe in the story is this, is that Jesus is caring. Jesus is caring. He shows his compassion with his emotion as we read Jesus wept. And what I like doing in, those, in, 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 in small little scriptures like that is I like to look into the deeper meaning or the connectivity of words to other parts of scripture. And I found two connections to better understand what it means or how it felt like when Jesus wept. And there's two that I want to make mention of. The first one is this in the New Testament. There is a man, in fact, he's a father, and he throws himself at Jesus' feet weeping. It says, he wept before Jesus. And he was begging Jesus to heal his son because he was demon-possessed. If you're a parent in here, you're a grandparent, I'm telling you, you understand the care and the love that you have for your own children. This is a man that's not weeping for self. He is weeping for his child, that he's not afraid to throw himself in front of everybody in public and throw himself at Jesus's feet, weeping and, and interceding on behalf of his child. This is the emotion. This is what... Jesus felt when he wept. There's another reference in the scripture that I, I really like too. And Jesus is having a party more or less. He's got this dinner party at these prominent leaders home and, and, uh, and they're just kind of hanging out and he's teaching, I imagine, and they're listening to him. And then all of a sudden this woman barges, is, barges into the home, really killing the vibe, you know what I'm saying? And she throws herself at Jesus's feet as well. And what is she, what is she doing? She's weeping. She's weeping at Jesus' feet so much so that, that, that her tears fall upon Jesus' feet and she washes his feet. And what I want you to understand on Resurrection Sunday is this, is Jesus cares so much for you as a father cares for his son or his daughter. Jesus cares for you so much so that as, as, as if, you can, if you've ever been that person where you, you know you're wrong and you know that God has turned your life around and you've been so moved by the work of God that you're so willing to throw yourself at his feet and weep before him. Jesus cares. That's the second observation of Jesus's character that we can see in, in him resurrecting Lazarus, but also in his own resurrection. And then the third is this, and again, this one might throw you off a little bit, but just be patient with me. The third character that we can see or characteristic of Jesus is this, is Jesus is angry. And some of you are like, what are you talking about, man? That's like, like, that's like Old Testament. This isn't, like, this is New Testament. Like, Jesus, you know, God's all angry in the Old Testament, but not in the New. I, I just want to talk about love, you know, and, and Easter bunnies, you know? No, Jesus was angry. And, and, and for some of you that are having a hard time seeing this, let me, let me just paint this little picture. Think of 
some of the things that you've accomplished in life, that your, your greatest accomplishments in life. Just go ahead and think about that. Now, let me ask you, what helped you get to that accomplishment? It was a passion. Y'all, y'all get what I'm saying? It was a passion. It was a drive. It was motivation. Uh, and, and guess what? Some of us, we could really resonate in this idea that it's our anger that pushes us to success. And in the same way, Jesus literally, like for him to go back to the place where he, know he, was, he knew he was going to be sentenced to death, for him to just, yeah, I'm telling you what, he was not skipping there. He was sitting there, I believe, with passion and with drive, understanding that if he goes there, he is signing his own death warrant. And regardless, he was going to go there to bring his friend back to life. And that's what had to drive him to the cross. And in verse 38, 30, 33 and 38, let me, let me just make this little observation. It says once that Jesus wept, right? But it says twice that Jesus was deeply moved. And if you go look at that word for deeply moved, it means to snort, okay? Which is kind of an odd illustration or a picture. But if you can just imagine an angry, passionate horse and, and, and it's at the line ready to race and the snort and the energy that comes out. Jesus, I'm telling you, had to put his face down and he had to put himself aside, his own cares, and he had to go forward with passion, understanding that this was not gonna pay out well for him. I recently read a book called Gentle and Lowly from Ortland, the author. And I like how he says it. It says, Jesus approached the grave in a state, not of, uncontro- not of uncontrollable grief, but irrepressible anger. Keep listening. Fury seizes upon him. Tears of sympathy may fill his eyes, but his soul is held by rage. The raising of Lazarus thus becomes not an isolated marvel, but a decisive instance, an open symbol of Jesus's conquest of death and hell. What John does for us is to uncover for us the heart of Jesus as he wins for us our salvation, not in a cold unconcern, but in a flaming wrath against his foe. And I came this Sunday to tell you this, you're not his enemy, but you're his reward. Y'all get what I'm saying? He, he's not angry at you. He's angry at, the, he's angry at the sin and the disease and the sickness and the depression and the anxiety and the addiction and the lies that have entangled you. And I'm telling you, Jesus didn't go back to Lazarus to raise him from the dead because he was just all happy about it. No, he was angry at the circumstances that you are entangled with. And he said, you know what? Now that is worth dying for to bring you freedom. Jeez, I'm getting angry up here. (laughs) Jesus walked those two miles enraged with passion to pursue and to earn your freedom. That's what it took. And that's what he did. How many are thankful that we serve a God that is selfless? That we serve a God that is caring, but we serve a God that's angry enough to do something about it. Now, here, here, here's, here's my big idea, okay? I, got, I, this, I like giving everybody one little thing to run away with. God's not interested in just doing a tiny little renovation of part of your life. He's looking to do a resurrection. And that's what brought him to the grave. 
That's what brought him to the grave. And, and, and that's what I hope you hear today on Easter Sunday at Echo Church, hosted at Mayo High School, baby. You know what I'm saying? That Jesus passionately pursued you. And he wasn't afraid to lay his life down because he knew that you didn't just need a simple renovation, but you needed a resurrection. And what I want to do just for the next five minutes is show you a video about a family and how God resurrected their relationship and their lives here at this church because they met Jesus. Check it out. So we met in 2010, um, got married in 2013. Amanda had this great job. She was uh, managing a enterprise, and I had a, a job that I liked. We wanted to have children, right? Mm -hmm. And um, we lost a child uh, at 28 weeks, and that was pretty hard on us. Honestly, it was kind of the start of some challenges for us. I don't know if there was a definitive moment. Our schedules were both really demanding and became like the main focus. And that really opened up, I guess, a lot of trouble. I just came to this realization like, something's not right here. I need to, I need to get good and right just with myself. Randy had called and said, I just, I think I just want to end this. I don't want to do this anymore. It wasn't about not loving her. It was about not being able to make that work. We had been separated for about a year when we had decided to sell the house and both had kind of went our separate direction that way. But in the back of my mind, something was like, don't let go yet. I helped her move. And I, that was like a big step to, to just kind of repair, like to make it okay, like we were gonna be okay. And it gave us the opportunity to actually spend some time together and have hard conversations and work through a lot of hurt. We were having this conversation about whether, you know, if, if we do make an attempt at this, we can't just, it can't just be us trying to fix it. I told Randy, like, I think I need to find a church. I need to find something. But he had actually approached me and said, I think if we're going to try this again, then we need to put God at the center of this. Little did I know he had been seeking that on his own in our time apart. But weirdly, a couple of weeks before that, we had gotten the Echo launch party flyers, and I had hung mine up on my fridge, and I said, you know, I'm really glad that you said that because I'd gotten this invitation in the mail to check out this new church. And I was literally, like, looking at that flyer on my table when we were having this conversation. And I was like, I've heard of the same church, you know, and we just, let's give it a try. Let's check it out. It was just so welcoming, and everybody was so friendly. Everybody had a smile on their face. It was real. Right. They were genuinely glad to, to see us there. Seeing the same people the next time, you know. Mm -hmm. and, and they knew our names. Again. Yeah. I remember, like, worship and just how moved I was. And, like, moved to tears. It, like, I met God in that moment. I met Jesus in that moment. If 
we hadn't stepped through those doors and experienced what we experienced and just listened to the call and the tug on your heart. I honestly don't even know if I would be here today. For me, I was already in that mode of, God, what do you want to do with me? What do you, what's next? You know, we are both willing to grow towards God. And I think as we get closer to him, we get closer together. To commit to saying, okay, I'm gonna get rid of my apartment, I'm gonna come back home, and this is what we're gonna do, and we're gonna seek God first, and how can we incorporate Him into our marriage and put Him at the center? That's nothing we've ever tried. You wanna talk about breathing life into dead bones? I just can't even describe it. You don't have to be perfect. None of us are. <laughs> We're all broken, flawed, imperfect people serving a perfect God. He wants to meet you where you're at, but you have to open the door and let him in and be willing to let him do the work in you. I sense some people You've allowed God to renovate your life, parts of it. At the same time, you're walking around with your grave clothes. In God's business, he's in the business of a resurrection here. That means your life and all of it. I'm so inspired by Amanda and Randy who shared their story. Because if God can do that for them, then he sure can do it with me. And he can sure do it with you. Jesus, I, I just sense, Lord, I've said it. I've clearly defined who you are, but you're in the business at this very moment by your spirit to show people tangibly, physically, spiritually, that you're a God that's selfless. It's not by my words, but it's by your spirit and your power. Holy Spirit, do your work in this room. Holy Spirit, do your work in our hearts and our minds. May this not just be another Easter service, but may this be a moment when you call to the depths of our being and say, come out, because there's life. God, I just ask that you would just show us, God, that you would help us understand how deeply and passionate you are for us. You were willing to go to the tree. You were willing to go to the cross so that we might not go to the gallows. We might not experience death, but we might experience life through you. Oh God. I just sense the Lord is doing something here right now. 
if you need God to do something right now, just, just, just physically, let's do something that, that would kind of show God that you're serious spiritually. Would you just put your hands on your lap, palms facing up and just say, Lord, do something in me today. I can't leave church the same way. Oh God, oh God, God, we're hungry for you. God, we're thirsty for you. You fiercely came against our addiction, our sin, our disease, our sickness. And and Lord, we just ask that you would bring a healing of those things today. God, I just sent some people came into this place and they're just bound. They're bound, they're handcuffed. And, And today is the day, God, that you clearly pull out the key and that you bring a resurrection and a life to them in their situation. Oh, Holy Spirit, do your work. Do your work. Do your work in us, Lord. Jesus, we surrender. We can't unlock our self. We can't remedy our situation. Just like Lazarus couldn't come out of the grave by himself, it was because of you, the same thing is for us. We need you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, is God good? Is God doing anything in your life at the moment? I just understand some people came into Echo today and you feel far from God. And, And I just wanna tell you this, it doesn't have to be that. It just doesn't have to be that way. We serve a God that is selfless, that is caring, is in pursuit of you. And all it takes as he is running towards us is just to say, here I am, Lord, see me. And I surrender. I acknowledge that I can't do it, but you can. And anyway, I just sense there's some people that's far from God. And today is the day that you take a step towards him. I wanna invite you to pray a prayer that we pray every week as a reminder that we cannot do life alone, but we need Jesus at the center. Echo Church, can we pray as some people will pray this for the very first time with us. Jesus, I surrender. I have more questions than answers, but I choose to follow you anyway. I acknowledge that you live, you died, and you rose again, all with us in mind. I accept the rescue that you offer. Save me and lead me in Jesus' name and his authority. Amen. And Jesus, here we are. We remember you. We remember you as the son of God who lived amongst us, that suffered amongst us, that felt what we felt, but you rose out of that grave to bring us life again. And we celebrate with that right now in Jesus' name. And everybody shout. Yeah.
the glory on this Resurrection Sunday. Come on. Man, I like Easter. I like seeing all your faces. It's been a really fun morning. There's been a lot going on. I want to do one thing. I just want to give you one challenge, like one encouragement. As I was listening to Randy and Amanda share their story, there's one thing that was really powerful about it that stuck out to me a lot, which was they were really transparent about their lives. And even so transparent that they were vulnerable about the times that were hard. And I just want to encourage you in something. I don't believe we can really be the church until we're living vulnerable lives trying to be more like Jesus. That we're letting ourselves be real friends with people, real connectivity, real relationship. And I just think that happens in community. And I think the best, like I'm just going to say step one, coming to church regularly makes it a lot easier to live in community. Getting involved in a table community and then finding a place to serve. Like if you are, if you feel like Randy and Amanda did at like the beginning when they were telling their story, I just want you to know, they just did a few simple things and God came and moved and did incredible things in their lives. And now Echo Church wouldn't be the same without Randy and Amanda. And I just don't want you to feel like you have to do this alone. I think life is best when we do it together, especially in a transparent and vulnerable way. Now at Echo, we do a couple things. Uh, that we love to do. Can we do this? Can we celebrate with those that said that prayer with us for the very first time today? Come on. Let's celebrate with those that set foot in Echo for the first time today. Welcome this morning. We are so glad you're here. I joke about it all the time, but it is weird to go to a new church, and we're so glad that you're willing to step out a little bit and just take that step.